Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. Additional support comes from Luba Workers Comp and by Short and Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas. From Commander's Palace Restaurant in the Garden District in New Orleans, we're out to lunch with Peter Raschuti. Peter Raschuti is Tulane University's A.B. Freeman School of Business professor and director of the award-winning Birkenrode Reports. It's business, New Orleans style. Hi, I'm Peter Raschuti. Welcome to Out to Lunch. In the last 10 years, we've talked a lot about how the New Orleans economy has changed. We've seen our first migration gains in decades, and we've marveled at what we've called an unprecedented boom in entrepreneurial activity. We talk about this positive change in the city's financial fortunes like we're witness to a historically momentous upheaval. To some extent, that's true. But to put it in perspective, it's far from the only economic revolution New Orleans has undergone. John McGill is an historian who spent 33 years collecting New Orleans history at the historic New Orleans collection. What does a historian do after he retires? In this case, he writes a book about history. John's book is called The Incomparable Magazine Street. It's a lively and detailed history with photographs of one of the country's most dynamic business corridors. John, welcome to Out to Lunch. Thank you. Glad to be here. The uptown commercial end of Magazine Street has seen significant development over the last few years. Most noticeably, what used to be a deserted bus barn is now a Whole Foods market, which is, of course, now a player in the worldwide retail revolution as a part of Amazon. Down the block from Whole Foods, one of the area's anchors that's been there for almost two decades, is a lingerie store called Basics Underneath. One of the newest stores in the commercial area is Basic Swim and Gym that sells swimsuits and workout clothes. Both of these basic stores are co-owned by Desiree Pettibone. She is also a board member of the Magazine Street Merchants Association. Desiree, welcome down to lunch. Hi, Peter. I'll start with John. John, your book chronicles the amazing tale of a street that started out lined with plantations. At that time, plantations were the lifeblood of the city's commerce. As times change and consumerism eclipsed agriculture, Magazine Street's plantations were replaced by retail outlets. Now we're at another point of change where retail is fighting for survival against the growth of online commerce. As I mentioned, Amazon has a stake on Magazine Street. I know you're an historian, not an economist or a fortune teller, but (laughs) but with your expert knowledge of Magazine Street, you might be in a better position than anyone in the country to understand how retail is changing. Do you see any trends out there that would give you an indication of where the next decade or two might take the commercial fortunes of Magazine Street? Well, the one thing that really makes magazines stand out more than most other shopping areas, many of those stores, in fact, virtually all of them, are locally owned. You can go in those stores and you you will know the person who owns the store, who is manager of the store, and you are welcomed. It's not like going to a shopping mall or modern department stores if they even exist any longer (laughs) and you know going up to somebody you know and being welcomed or just going in there to have a happy chat there are stores on magazine i will mention british antiques one of my favorites well i will go there and have a chat i will buy too but i can just have a a bow tie on it looks like you would shop at british antiques that's Um, great i love bow ties it's actually it's good at lunch because if i spill food it'll go down my shirt rather than my tie that's great i'm hoping we get a picture of that the uh the now the street is of course Mm -hmm. under pressure from some chains have snuck their way in um can you stop them 
Uh, I think that's going to be hard to do. I think one of the big, the scary things about magazines will be what's going to happen if the rents go up. Oh, that's exactly and right. Someone, and someone asked me about that. In fact, I was doing a book signing, and a lady said she owned a store, and she did not give the name of the store, but she said you know, she knew her rent was going to be going up. So she said, where should I go from there? Of course, I stood dumbfounded, not having the faintest idea. And I said, what about Chapatula Street? You know, yeah. Because Magazine Street has changed so dramatically, so can Chapatula Street. Chapatula Street, but I think that's going to be the one thing that will hurt Magazine Street if the rents get out of out of hand. Uh, but I think as long as they stay within a manageable range, Magazine Street will attract customers from a very, very wide range. Not just the city, but uh, maybe you can... Um, you well, know, I think it's the, it's the big box out-of-town stores that come in and can pay, you know, twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000 a month for rent that nobody local, if you're a small shop... That's just outrageous. Well, and I know some of the... Sense, and in yeah. the 20 years that we've been, but it's really only 16, say, on Magazine mm -hmm. Street, um, our rent has gone up a lot. Mm -hmm. Now, but, I, I want to compliment you. The book is great. Thank you. And, uh, and it's selling much better than your first book, which was... Uh, Veterans Boulevard, Street of Dreams, and uh, oh, yes, this is really, dreams. Yes, yes. This is really doing mm -hmm. one of the most beautiful real? streets in the world. <laughs> <laughs> now, Desiree, going into your 20th year, you have one of the oldest stores in magazine. Uh, almost all the stores in your area around Jefferson Avenue are different from the stores that were there when you started out. Uh, when you opened your first store, Basics Underneath, you didn't have any retail experience. Zero. Uh, zero. Less okay. than zero. <laughs> you were what, a design graphic Graphic designer. My partner, Juliet Henkel, and I, Holton, Henkel Holton, and I were both graphic designers, and we had this just crazy thought on a trip to Paris that wouldn't it be fun to open a lingerie store? And in, just, in a sense, you've never really gone far in life because you were born and brought up like a few streets from the store, right? Uh-huh. On Jefferson yeah. Avenue. Yeah. Just in a sense. Four I think you've gone by, very well. Right? The, it is, uh, but you've learned the job and figured it out over time. When you opened your second store two years ago on the same block, you had two decades worth of experience and could hit the ground running. If you hadn't opened Basics Underneath 20 years ago and you opened it today, knowing what you knew then, do you think you would still have the luxury of being able to figure it out Learn as you go? Learn on the job, not as That's much, because the initial investment would be so much higher. Ah. You know, the rent is higher. I mean, we, we uh, first of all, we didn't start off on Magazine Street. We started off on Octavia Street, okay. which is where the Earth Savers pedicure station oh, is yeah, now. Right, There's right. a little door on Octavia Street. <laughs> that was the first basics, and it was teeny tiny, and I don't remember what the rent was. I meant to look it up for today, but I didn't have time. But it was like, I don't know, $800? I mean, it was really Whoa. cheap. And when we opened up, we would have days where we wouldn't sell anything, and it didn't exactly matter. And then when we got to move on to Magazine Street, that was like when we hit then the big really time mattered. when we made over $1,000 in a day. That was like, oh, my God. Wow. We're, we're going to be rich. And did you turn out to be rich? No. Well, you're eating <laughs> in a fine restaurant. I think things are really, things are really <laughs> picking up. up. right. Yeah, right. I, I see good things. You know, when people hear your name, um, they, I think a lot of people listen and think of the, the football players. How are you related to those folks? Um, John Pettibon was my dad, and Richie Pettibon is my uncle. Ah. You never played pro football, though. No, okay, I did not. Right. Sadly, I was <laughs> a disappointment <laughs> to dad. Hey, who are your customers? Everybody. I mean, we sell mostly to women. We're a shop that sells probably 85 90% to women, but we do have men that come in and buy as gifts. And um, do they, Are they kind of uncomfortable when the men come in? We try to be super friendly okay. and not scary. Yeah. 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 They're actually Underwear very charming, most of the guys that come in and are 
wanting to get something that their girlfriend or their wife is going to like. Or their daughter, like a nightgown for my daughter. Yep. I mean, all kinds of guys come in. And you don't want to have those conversations like, gee, Frank, this isn't your wife's size. That would be a... That would be no. Well, we wouldn't say that. We would say let's look up your wife because usually the guys that come in, their wives are already customers, and we'll say let's look up and see like what she's bought in the past, and then from that we can kind of get an idea. We might already know her just right off the bat, get an idea of what she would like because we want her to like what she's going to get. That's what I was going to get to. Is if you go to the the you mentioned like the big box stores for instance, you must you can't really compete purely on price. You have to compete on something else. What is it? Uh, personal connection service that we know the products in the store and that I think we know our customers and we listen to them and and they come in for a reason most women do even if it's all um, you know behind a shell or I'm to this or I'm to that or have this bulge or whatever it is that they need they sometimes can't say and so I feel like it's our job to pull that out and then do the best job that we can to match that with a product that we have that will make them come out feeling and looking great. You're listening to Out to Lunch. I'm Peter Raschuti. I'm talking with Desiree Pettibone, the board member of the Magazine Street Merchants Association and co-owner of the store's Basics Swim and Gym and Basics Underneath, and author of the book, The Incomparable Magazine Street, historian John McGill. John, that sort of must be sort of the story up and down the street. It is up and down the street. In fact, I'll tell my own personal story about basics. And Aww, this is really now. So I shopped there during Mardi Gras, but that's a whole different show. Okay, There's I'll tell a- you, it's really a, a weird thing. It was my my mom loved to go there, and she and my mom died at ninety five, but she was hooked on beautiful lingerie and beautiful and so gowns. Everything she loved anything like that. And as my mom wasn't able to get out anymore, she still wanted me to go to basics. Oh, John, you know, go over and see if you can find me something really nice. I was never treated so beautifully. I had no idea what I was getting myself into. <laughs> I would imagine. And I walk in there, and everybody treated me just so kindly and so sweetly and wrapped things up for Christmas in July and that sort of thing. And the kindness of the staff at Basics oh, was just you. We really totally try. overwhelming to me. But you can find that in other stores along yeah. Magazine Street where you are just welcomed into the store. I mean, whether it's Perlis or Aiden Gill or British Antiques, Basics. Don't you think it's a local, that it's locally owned and the people have a stake I in I thoroughly it. agree. Yeah, I do too. It's locally owned yeah. and we can talk on the same level. I mean, we're on high spirits when the Saints win. Right, that's true. I mean, true. you know, I'm not a great, you know, I'm not a big football follower, but when the Saints win, I'm there. I'm going to open up my wallet and go spend some money <laughs> that day. Well, that- you're putting a lot of pressure on those boys, but I think that's yeah, a good, that's good a idea. Good, it's good you know, for business. But, yeah. but don't you think beyond that, though, I love that it's locally owned, but we get to share that with tourists. I mean, so many people, oh, we have so many tourists that come in my shop now. Really? Oh, how about that breakdown? Any idea of uh, who's local and who's? Oh, I would say definitely the majority is local, but the tourist business has grown. And what we're finding now is more like groups of ladies are shopping from Mobile or from Florida or from Baton Rouge or from Houma. So it's a little bit regional, and I almost count those people as as local. And then we have the tourists that are from, you know, all over the place, all over the world that are just shopping the street. But you guys don't just sit there. I mean, I guess as a member of the association, you've got these promotions during the year for the whole street, right? Yeah, we do. You know, it's been really fun. This is only the second year I've done it, and um, it's a giant diverse crowd of people up and down magazine street so it's really difficult to find promotions you know that help everybody and some help some more than others and then it'll flip and 
So it's it's been a good experience. I've enjoyed it. Do you do I it during the uh, times it's slow, or you just? Uh, we do it all the time. I, I mean, the big the, events the are art for art's sake. Yep. Art for art's sake. Um, Merriment, which is a month-long celebration at Christmas. What else does magazine? There's four of them. I'm, four years. Art for art's sake. Did you get that? Yeah, Merriment. Um, champagne stroll. And champagne stroll. Wow, that is a... Yeah, that thank is a, you. But That's you seem fun. like the world's sort of... You know, you've got the online pressure, but the world's sort of moving in your direction. People don't want to shop in a mall much anymore. They want what you're offering. I think that's really true because, you know, you can just read articles and go on websites about deserted shopping malls now. In some cases, you know, they've been turned into hospitals or business centers, but sometimes they're just empty, and I think people are turning away from that. They're looking for the personal enjoyment of going onto a street like magazine and window shopping which you can't do in right. a shopping mall. I mean, you walk in, I won't mention mall names, but some of them you walk into, they, as big as they can be, it's like walking into a cave. Yeah. Magazines and nobody can, seems to know much. They're just no, there because they're, they're in they're, product knowledge. Yeah. Is, right. That's is, specific to the store, I think, is really important. That's a great thing about magazine, because you have the owners there, you have the managers there who have been there for years and years. They can tell you exactly what they have on the shelves. And they welcome you there while, while they're at it. And then you can just chat about other things. You can chat about New Orleans. You can chat about Magazine Street. And then chat about the merchandise, which they know, and they understand every square inch of their product. It's like, walking, it's like going to Perlis. Yeah, right. You they, and look at, um, I was thinking, you know, the drawback sometimes people say is it's tough to find parking. But it I would, um, but, the, but it's really not an apples to oranges thing there. Because when you finally do park, you're going <laughs> to walk the whole street and see all ton of stores. Well, try parking at a shopping mall. Yes, I mean, that's right. I can never find my car. Away. That's the problem. And you can never they... find the car. Whereas on Magazine Street, as long as you remember the intersecting street, you're near, you can find your <laughs> within a block. But, you know, I, uh, I, I do, well, I have double vision, so I can't get a driver's license. So that's why Magazine is so great for me. I can walk and bus. I am everywhere. I'm should not have given me a driver's license, actually. Uh-huh. But, um... but you can, uh, you can get a, a day pass on a magazine bus, and I've seen people do it. People from out of town. Yeah, I do get see themselves. out of town people. They're really? They're down the street. $3 day pass. They have their timetable with them, and they'll go from one stretch to the other. And I've actually had people from out of town say, where are the shops on Magazine Street? And I say, well, they're, they're everywhere. I said, and they're in one particular area, maybe up around Jackson Avenue, and they think this is the end of the state. No, you've got another four or five miles of them going in that direction toward Audubon Park. Well, now we talk about this as being a great center of commerce, but Magazine Street has also historically been kind of the, oh, the dividing line between the working class and the silk stockings well, part it, of New Orleans. Well, it was. I, I heard a story years ago when I first moved to New Orleans that if you lived on the riverside of Magazine Street, if you got in the newspaper, you would be in the police section. And if you lived <laughs> oh, on the riverside, you'd be in the society section. Wow. That, now you're seeing more and more of the society Now I can't afford to live on either, str- on either side of the street, side which is uh, really street, something. Right. <laughs> Now, Desiree John, this is the part of the show we call Another Great Idea. Maybe you've got a friend like this, someone who's always got a great idea for you. They tell you about this job you should apply for, or that guy you should have a cup of coffee with, or a great investment opportunity you should jump on. Now, you can take advice like this, and it turns out to be a disaster. You can dismiss this advice and miss out on something that might have turned out really great, or you can take your friend's advice, and it turns out to be the best thing that ever happened to you. Do you have an example in your life or career of a friend who had a great idea for you? Did you take their advice, and how did it turn out? I'll start with Desiree. Um, well, this is, um, I didn't take the advice. Okay. This was a building that my business partner and I were going to buy, and my husband at the time 
told me don't do it. It's too big of an investment. And of course, I didn't listen to him at all. And we bought it, and it was kind of a disaster. And it was a building on Magazine Street, which has since turned out to be a great building. It's where the old Herwig's bike shop was. Oh. But when we bought it like a week before Katrina, so we bought oh. it for, I don't even know how much money, a ton of money. And two weeks later, it was worth nothing. And I remember <laughs> Will had said, don't do it. And I said, Just, what do you, you don't know anything. Yeah. So, so I didn't listen. So he gets to be right. Did he see the storm coming? Apparently, I don't know. I don't, I don't know, but if he listens to this, he'll laugh. He, he's still telling me, I told you so. <laughs> and John, what about yourself? Okay, the one I can think of was actually about two and a half years ago, and uh, this fellow named Scott Campbell uh, started a publishing company, and he asked me if I was interested in writing a book with him. And I said, sure. So we wound up going to um, Five Happiness Restaurant, Day before Mardi Gras 2015, I was coming down with a cold and I was feeling kind of miserable. And uh, we went to the restaurant, you know, we were sort of brainstorming ideas for books. And I came up with some ideas. I thought it would be really kind of cool. And I said, nobody would want to read that. Nobody wants that. <laughs> and so then I started having a couple of drinks, you know, add that to the cold. And I thought, well, what about, what about Magazine Street? And it clicked. And that's what turned into the incomparable Magazine Street. And, Did um, he agree that that was a good idea? He agreed it was a good idea because he knew nothing had ever been done about Magazine Street before. You'll find bits and pieces of Magazine Street here and there, you know, in uh, architectural books like the Friends of the Cabildo, you know, the, the books that cover uptown include Magazine Street. But nothing really specifically about the street. And, you so know, for the book, we can thank the Mai Tai? You can thank the Mai Tai. That is, that is great. Mm -hmm. That is that is good news. You can thank the day before Mardi Gras and me coming down with the cold. The Mardi Gras Mai Tai. They, uh, yes. It is. What about uh, you know your background? You were so long in the historical society and said, did you know all this before, or did you just have to do a lot of work on this book? My big interest is the urban development of New Orleans, and uh, when I started the collection, that was sort of what I went into, and I'm particularly interested in the infrastructure. So I, when I started working at the collection, you know, I was working with a number of art historians and that, and I was a sewer and gutter guy <laughs> at, at the collection. That's but, what I would tell people at bars. Yeah, but... Um, you know, just sort of evolved into all sorts of other areas. You know, when you work in a museum, his research center, you have to develop all sorts of different interests. So it went in all kinds of ways. And, and part of it was the, the retail development of New Orleans, which I never really knew that much about, but I found it absolutely fascinating. You do now. And it's, you know, it's not just Magazine Street, but Canal Street, Dryad Street, which you is now Haley Street. You could have dozens of books in you. That would be, that would be dozens terrific. Dozens of streets. They, uh, you know, the incomparable Oak Street. Desiree, <laughs> <laughs> I could ask you. Series. <laughs> you're, in a, you're in a great position right now in that you've got the basics underneath store and then the swimming gym right next door. And we just opened up an opening between the two. So oh. there's an archway. So now it's really unique that both stores have their own front. They still have their own personality, but there's a like a double doorway so that you can flow from one to the other. It's uh. been just amazing. And then when you took on that, was it the... Was it just like the economics of it would be great to be next to each other? Or was it a commitment for the future of the street? Um, we love where we are. We would not want to change. When we thought about changing, you know, other places have come open on Magazine Street that we've thought about for a minute, but I, I love where we are. So and I think it's both. They must be uh, booming because of all the, the yoga classes and all of that. Uh. And it, people love bathing suits. 
Yeah. Well, there's another place where yeah. you, you have love an, bathing suits. You have an intimate relationship with the client. You're like, well, you're that's like the whole reason. Well, I wouldn't go that far, <laughs> but but we, but we do get in the dressing room with you, you and do. like adjust things and and. Um, adjust straps and make sure that the bands are right with bra fitting and the same thing goes for bathing suits and kind of have an eye to what style is going to look best on you and you know it's not like I'm, I'm going to tell you a secret it's not like that in guys stores no nobody ever comes in the dressing room with you oh. I just at least not this that's pretty cool though it is the, before, you can't be shy no no you can't to, right. to go in a store like that they uh they all seem to love it I, don't, I think everybody's fine with it <laughs> Nobody's ever thrown you out. Right, exactly. <laughs> Before there were suburbs and shopping malls, there were neighborhoods and shopping streets. As the way we shop has changed, retail thoroughfares that have survived at all have become dominated by chain stores and chain restaurants. Across the country, most of these major shopping streets look almost identical. Magazine Street is the exception. Most of its stores are still owner-occupied. It's still lined with local restaurants and boutiques. And it's still, after all these years quintessentially New Orleans. John, thanks for giving us this authoritative and entertaining history of the street. And Desiree, I hope you're looking at another 20 years of successful retailing on Magazine me Street. Too. <laughs> me too. Me too. Thank you both, Desiree and John, for taking the time to join me today on Out to Lunch. Appreciate it. Thank you, Peter. Thank you. Thank you. My guests on Out to Lunch today have been Desiree Pettibon. She's the co-owner of Basics Underneath and Basics Swim and Gym. And John McGill, author of the book, The Incomparable Magazine Street. You can find out more about John's book and Desiree's lingerie by following the links on our website, itsneworleans.com. Our show is recorded live over lunch at Commander's Palace in New Orleans. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Merle. And our researcher is Ann Christian. You can listen to the show and to past episodes of Out to Lunch wherever you get podcasts. If you want to know what we look like, you can find photos from this show on itsneworleans.com and It's New Orleans Facebook page. These photos were taken today by Allison Moon. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcast for itsneworleans.com and WWNO 89.9 FM. I'm Peter Raschuti. Thanks for joining me. I look forward to meeting you again next week around the table here at Commander's Palace for more business, New Orleans style, on Out to Lunch. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base, joneswalker.com. Additional support comes from Luba Workers Comp and by Shurt & Associates, legal recruiters in Louisiana and Texas. Mitchell Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. Mitchell's music is available wherever great jazz is sold or streamed and at mitchellforeman.com. Out to Lunch is recorded live over lunch at Commander's Palace in New Orleans. Commander's Palace serves lunch Monday to Friday, jazz brunch on Saturday and Sunday with live music and dinner seven nights a week.